Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of a Cali Green Monster Show. It's January 27th, 2021. It's a chilly Wednesday morning here in San Diego, but it's okay. I'm feeling like Tom Brady. I got my Ugg boots on, keeping me nice and toasty with a flannel on, and then I'm ready to go. Um, so yesterday, the, the ballots came in for the 2021 MLB Hall of Fame voting, and for the first time since 2013, there won't be anyone inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, I don't think it's going to be as big of a deal since it's not like they're going to have no one to induct or have a ceremony this year. Because if anyone remembers last year in 2020, um, Derek Jeter on his first time on the ballot and Larry Walker with his 10th and final time on the ballot, both got elected to the Hall of Fame. But due to COVID, they weren't allowed to have um, a celebration at Cooperstown for those guys. So even though no one was uh, officially elected in in 2021, um, it looks like we'll probably still have um, an induction ceremony at Cooperstown. COVID, um, you know, as long as COVID doesn't stop that from happening. Um, but today, I really wanted to bring up um, one of the candidates that didn't get in. Um, there's, you know, three guys that when we're looking at the, the ballot, that it was their ninth year on the ballot. And they didn't get in. And there are three people that are controversial. Uh, they might, you know, two of them are controversial for for one thing, and the other guy is controversial for a couple other things. Um, but at the end of the day, they're both. All three of these guys are. When you look at the numbers, are for sure Hall of Famers. But I think when you when there's when you take into other factors besides the longevity, um, their career, and their numbers, that makes people question whether they all are Hall of Famers. So the first two I'm talking about are Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. Um, you know, Barry Bonds is, you know, for anyone that grew up in my generation, you know, in the 90s, and the early 2000s, you know, Barry Bonds was basically a superhuman um, hitting home runs. And, you know, it was a point where I remember, you know, because I, I grew up in L.A. area and for Dodger games, the Dodgers would literally walk the bases loaded when Barry Bonds was at the plate because they would rather just walk in a run than Barry bash in a grand slam. I think there was some years that where he had an on-base percentage of over 500. Um, and then Roger Clemens, he's, you know, multiple World Series champion, um, was real famous with the, you know, made his career, um, started out at the Boston Red Sox, was all-star pitcher. Um, his career seemed to be on the downside when he left for Toronto, um, but then had a big resurgence in New York. And the problem with both of these guys is that even though they, you know, have Hall of Fame resumes based on their numbers. Um, the end of their careers is pretty much like is shrouded in steroid controversy. I don't think either of them have either really admitted to it or admitted to knowingly taking steroids. I think Roger Clemens' wife has kind of taken the blame for a lot of stuff. And then Barry Bonds has kind of said he's unknowingly used like a steroid cream. Um, but, you know, so I, I can see with these guys that, you know, if steroids is the question, you know, I think a lot of journalists have made the stance that if, even if you're um, even if you're tied to steroids or if there's even a question of steroids, 
um, they won't vote for you. I think that's why, like, my Piazza had some people that were detractors, but he was never even tied to steroids. But just because he was a power hitting, you know, a guy who made his bones off hitting home runs in the 90s and early 2000s, there was just that, um, you know, just that shroud of mystery. You know, there's people like Jeff Bagwell, um, uh, Yvonne Rodriguez, all these people that, like, were really big in the 90s and early 2000s that, um, you know, just, just by being a power hitting player and really good in that era are being tied to steroids. So with that, you know, with that reasoning, I'm kind of someone that always felt like, you know, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. Well, they were particular cases because I don't think steroids particularly contributed to them being great. Like if you look at Barry Bonds career when he was a pirate and even a little bit before he turned into the incredible Hulk in San Francisco, he was already a hall of fame baseball player I don't really have his stats on me right now, and I could probably go into a deeper dive on a later podcast. But Barry Bonds arguably was a Hall of Famer before he started bashing home runs in the, in the early 2000s for San Fran. And Roger Clemens was arguably a, a Hall of Fame pitcher before um, he turned into a, quote, juice monster um, with the Yankees. So um, with these guys... I can see the controversy with keeping them out because if you're if you don't want to if you want to keep everyone out that has steroids, you know it's been tied to steroids that's fine, but I think Kurt Schilling is a little bit more of a different case because he has the Hall of Fame numbers, but I think the case against him is more that he's got a big fucking mouth and says things that most people would consider ignorant. You know I don't know maybe most people, but a, a big chunk of the country would consider ignorant. However, I kind of think that we need to take a a different, you know, when you're looking at Kurt Schilling, I don't think he's ever really done anything like illegal or anything that's, you know, and we can, I think that with the Hall of Fame, we're looking more for, like I said, longevity and numbers and Kurt Schilling has that. And, um, you know, cause if we're going to keep him out of the Hall of Fame, there's tons of other people in the Hall of Fame that are complete fucking scumbags that we should revisit as well. So, you know, for the case for Kurt Schilling is, you know, Kurt Schilling pitched for over 20 or pitched for 20 seasons. Uh, he he was he won three World Series and he's considered one of the best World Series performers of all time. So in 19 starts, which is a significant number of starts in the playoffs, he had a 2.23 ERA. So that's you know that's he's clutch and that's what you need from a pitcher is that you know not only is he good in the regular season, so he never won any Cy Youngs, but he had four top five Cy Young finishes, which is tied for 24th all time. All right, and keep in mind, there's 80 pitchers in the Hall of Fame, and here's where Schilling ranks among them. He's ranked 26 in wins above replacement, so at, at 79.5, and so wins above replacement or WAR is basically the value that a player brings to his team above a, like an like an average replacement ball player. So maybe like someone who you can call it from AAA to to stick in the lineup. So Kurt Schilling has proved that of all the pitchers of all time. He's basically the 26th most, most valuable pitcher um, you could have had. He ranks 15th in strikeouts with three over 3,000 strikeouts. And he's tied for 86th in wins with 216 wins. And that's one of the only things, you know, I guess you maybe you don't consider Hall of Fame worthy because it's not top 80. Um, but, you know, I to me, it's like where you can kind of like dock him for that. I think his playoff accolades is enough to... Um, to overshadow, like, maybe not having quite as many wins as some of the people in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, you look at his heroics in, um, in 2001 
where he, him and Randy Johnson basically, you know, took down the heavily favored New York Yankees. You know, the Yankees had won, I think it was three World Series in a row leading up to that. This was going to be their fourth. You know, and the whole country wanted, was kind of behind New York because this was just right after September 11th attack. So everyone was kind of like, um, was it, you know, the Yankees had almost kind of become America's team. And, you know, and Kurt Schilling was part of that two-headed pitching monster that was able to take him down. And then in 2004, he was on the Boston Red Sox. And, you know, he was he played a significant role atop that rotation with Pedro Martinez and Bronson Arroyo. Um, Derek Lowe helped bring World Series to the Red Sox for the first time in over 80 years. You know, his game six uh, against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium with the bloody sock where his ankle was basically falling off his leg. You know, that's like, that's real grit, determination. And that's the kind of shit that I like to think, of. you know, when I think back at Kurt Schilling, that's what I think of. You know, I think of me being 14 years old and watching him help my, uh, bring my favorite team a World Series. You know, a little fun fact, this show is called A Cali Green Monster Show because I'm from California and I'm a Red Sox fan. So this is actually it's kind of funny. We're like eight or nine episodes deep in the show, and this is probably the first time I've actually mentioned the Red Sox. And once baseball season really gets kicking going, I plan on every episode having some obligatory Red Sox talk. So talking about Kurt Schilling, I guess you can you can call this the obligatory Red Sox talk. Um, but like I said, you know, with Kurt Schilling, there is controversy, and it's mostly him having a big mouth and you know saying crazy shit that is considered construed as you know racist, um, prejudiced. Um, you know, so like for example, ESPN. He worked, used to work for ESPN. He was a baseball analyst, and he was fired when they were when everything was going on with uh, North Carolina. I think they had ruled that bathrooms that people can only use the bathroom for the like the gender that they were born to or they were signed at birth. And you know, Kurt Schilling said, you know, put out a bunch of tweets, basically, you know, saying offensive things, you know, about transgender people and against that. Um, so ESPN fired him. Um, you know, he was caught, or I think it was right after President Trump was elected in 2016, he was retweeting a tweet um, about lynching journalists. And he was saying, okay, so much awesome here. You know, so he was, you know, so basically, you know, throwing open support in, you know, lynching journalists or people that, you know, I guess disagree with his political affiliation. Um, there was a time that Adam Jones was accusing uh, people at Fenway for racist chants, and he was very dismissive, um, saying, you know, basically calling it ridiculous that Adam Jones would, you know, almost saying that Adam Jones was making everything up. Um, and then just recently with the Capitol riots, he was tweeting support for it, you know, comparing, um, you know, saying that like Democrats were okay with the rioting of George Floyd and stuff. So they just need to let real Americans who are rioting and protesting over real important things you know so it's you know it's it's stuff like that that you know i think journalists and people are really holding against them and you know i agree that like a lot of this stuff it's like it's best it's like kurt why don't you just shut your fucking mouth i mean even even after yesterday i think it was last night he's come out that next year's supposed to be his 10th and final year on the ballot and he's asking the baseball writers to not even keep him on the ballot he doesn't even want to be a part of the vote he was saying that he would rather wait for the committee of former players and coaches to elect him into the Hall of Fame rather than journalists who he thinks that, you know, have zero credibility. And the thing is, is that if we're if we're if the Hall is basically I mean, the, if, if, if we're going to change the goalpost and say that 
all right, like, we can't let in racist bigots or people that have controversial views into the Hall of Fame. Then when you look at some of the, like, the most, like, some of the, some of the other people in the Hall of Fame, like, for example, Rogers Hornsby, you know, he's infielder from, you know, early, you know, 1915s, uh, manager also up into the 1930s. You know, he had a 358 lifetime average, three seasons over 400, two triple crowns, World Series, played for the Cardinals, Boston Braves, was the Cubs. He was managed the Cubs. Um, but this is a guy that was so disliked amongst his peers that when he was managing the Chicago Cubs in 1932, he was actually fired. And then the Cubs proceeded to go on into the World Series. And when they were going to get their World Series bonus check, um, Rogers Hornsby was technically like entitled to some of that bonus pay because he contrib- contributed to the team that season. But the teams actually voted to make sure he didn't get it to spite him because he was so disliked. Um, you know, he was accused of releasing Catholic baseball players just because of his prejudice against Catholics. And sports reporters have reported that Hornsby's openly told them that he was a member of the KKK. Okay. And then let's look at Ty Cobb, who's one of the in- inaugural members of the Hall of Fame. You know, one of the greatest of all time. He has all time best batting average of 366 batted over 403 times, has over 4,000 hits. He's considered the hit lead, uh, the all-time hit leader if you don't include Pete Rose, which is bullshit. So Pete Rose is the all-time hit leader. But you know, Ty Cobb was known as being a very violent person, both on and off the field. You know, he would, um, you know, I guess you would consider it like playing hard baseball, being able to slide with your spikes in. But he's also known for fighting people, uh, assaulting people, even known for assaulting people in the in the uh, in the uh, assaulting a fan in the stands. Um, he was a documented racist, and an ESPN report found that he was involved in gambling during 1919. Um, so it was like in 1926 there was this case was brought up, and Ty Cobb actually. Um, voluntarily left baseball in 1926 over the gambling allegations. And even though he said that he only bet on the the White Sox in the World Series for like two of the games that the White Sox lost, so he technically lost money, um, you know, Commissioner Kenneshaw Landis basically kind of gave him amnesty or gave him like an okay for that and didn't kick him out of baseball. But from that on, that's what instituted the rule of a one-year ban on any player found guilty of betting on baseball and a lifetime ban for anyone who's betting on a game that they're involved in, whether it's against themselves or uh, against them or their own team or against the opposing team. And that's one of the reasons why when Pete Rose was caught gambling, even though he was betting on his own team, he's still been given a lifetime ban. So, I mean, if we're going to keep Kurt Schilling out just because, like, he can be an asshole, you know, he's not good at running video game companies, um, and he's not really good at just, you know, just sitting back and being quiet. Um, I still don't think that's a case for him to be outside of the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, let me know what you guys think. Uh, you can comment in the, you know, you can comment on this podcast. You can uh, tweet me at Cali Green Monster. Uh, you can hit me up on the Facebook fan page for the show. Uh, anything. Yeah. So thank you for listening. I appreciate it. And until next time, have a good one, guys.